0: This is Lightning Power Lunch with Dave Mishkin and Greg Linelli on Lightning Radio. Yeah, I think we came out, we played strong. Obviously, uh, the third period there, Moose came out with an unbelievable save to keep us in this game. We kind of still stuck with it and uh, uh, able to came, come out with the win. So a huge two points and uh, move on now. It's fun. I mean, y- you want to get those wins for the guys. And... You know, even in the tough games, tough back to back. That's uh, it just makes it a little
1: more special. We
0: needed that. Uh, we thought, you know, as they said last night, it was a pretty good 35 minutes, but we kind of let that game slip away because we got out of the habits and and structure we needed to play to win. Uh, but I thought we stuck with it tonight. There were a couple breakdowns and you know, an unfortunate, you know, goal on that second one to tie it up. But now you got to regroup. I think we had the period to regroup and you know, we get through that quick power play they had moose makes a phenomenal save to to keep it tied and then we uh it out in the end so checked a lot of boxes tonight now we just got to carry that into san jose in a couple days
1: that's what you have to do it's about getting timely goaltending scoring and that was great to see last night late last night as the lightning took care of business against the ducks it was a, a tough game for sure and uh, let me bring in my partner, Dave Michigan, the radio voice of the lighting. Steve Versnick's producing one hour of hockey talk here and probably about my birthday, too.
0: Yeah, what happy birthday. Thank you. You, you As promoted that yesterday. I, I, I mean, a, yeah, I, well, look, I'm going to promote it. That was the reason people too. wanted to tune in today. Can you blame them? To hear us celebrate your birthday. If they
1: guess my age correctly, I, or if they. You gave listening. it on the air yesterday. I was just saying, maybe so they, were they were listening. If they were listening.
0: If they were <laughs> listening. You were born in a nice round number. I'm going to give that <laughs> as a hint. Tweet it at might me. Might or might not be a leap year.
1: <laughs> tweet at me. <laughs> Wait, just give it all, Dave. My gosh. At Greg and hit me up there. I'm forcing people to do math. You are, today. which I, I don't do very well, but um, they can they can tweet at me, and I will respond. I do, anyways, but I'll respond even more so. How about that? That's it. As my daughter said, my three year old, when I dropped her off at school today, and one of the teachers knew it was my birthday and she said so how old are you how old is daddy and my three-year-old Laria goes 22 22. <laughs> and i said man 22 i would take that you know i'd yeah. have hair
0: and it was looking good you got busy early my friend with a three-year-old and a six-year-old <laughs> <Yeah>. at 22. <laughs> We allowed to
1: say that on this show. This is a family show. Yeah, you can. You know what? What the hell? Look, we're all very transparent here. We're just, you know, we're being honest. So there. Yeah, that's. Yeah, you allowed yourself.
0: You allowed yourself to mature a little bit before you entered parenthood, as did I. I.
1: Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, it's a big responsibility. As we (laughs) all know,
0: (laughs) twenty-two. I
1: know it was great. (laughs) Kids say the best. So we have that going on, but I, you know, it was interesting. I, I thought last night was going to be a little bit like the Kings game from the standpoint, partner, that it felt like the Lightning were dictating play and they were running into a goaltender who was just seeing the puck very well. And was this going to be a situation where the Lightning had trouble finishing and Anaheim ends up being pretty opportunistic? And, you know, maybe for a a decent amount of that game, that's what we did see. But there has been a theme within this organization i think for the last however many years let's go back to 2013 2014 maybe a little bit before that they've had and received for the most part in addition to their starting goaltender their backup goaltenders getting solid performances almost every night it doesn't happen all the time i th- i think that would be false and it, it when you deal in sports, you're just you're not gonna be perfect every game. But think about the elite goaltending at the starter position Tampa Bay has gotten over the years with Bishop and Vassy. But then take a look at some of the backups that have been serviceable when they've played here. And I think it's it's fair to say that the last two, especially, who have backed up Vasilevsky, have been really good. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Elliot, I think. He's a little older now, so I don't know how many teams, Dave, he could legitimately start on right now. But I think there'd be a few. There'd be a handful, understanding the carousel that is the goaltender position. And he delivered another solid performance last night. What I'm saying is that's just a nice luxury to have for John Cooper and the team that, yeah, there's going to be a drop-off between Vassie and Elliott. But Elliott gives them a solid start on most occasions. And in a league where... Maybe sometimes you don't know if you're going to get that from your starter. The Lightning are in a pretty good spot there.
0: That was not an easy game for Brian Elliott, which I asked him about post-game. He was nice enough to come on with us after the game because, first of all, he doesn't play regularly. And when he does come in, it's usually in this situation, the second half of a back-to-back against a rested opponent. So in some of these games, he's seeing a lot of activity. I think of that Pittsburgh game. You know, where Pittsburgh had a lot of shots, right? And they did look like the fresher team as that game progressed. Because they hadn't played the night before and the Lightning had. Last night's game was very different. When the Ducks tied the game at 2, Troy Terry's goal came with 3 minutes and 21 seconds left in the second period. That was their ninth shot in the game. Nine. They had four in the first, and up until Terry's goal, they had four in the second, late second. Then they added some in the closing minutes, and it was like, whoa, hold on here. Like, Elliot made five additional saves down the stretch in the second to keep it 2-2, but you have to stay dialed in because of those four shots in the first and four shots in the second before Terry tied it, you know, some of them were dangerous. I think the first shot of the game, Derek Grant, was a pretty dangerous shot. Yeah, Toronto sure. had one off the rush in the second period. He had some in the third too, that went between Elliott's right arm and his body, but he got enough enough of it to deflect it wide. Like that's a scoring chance, and I know that <laughs> these drive me crazy. But I mean, I'm uh, Chris Kren put them on Twitter, and and Eric had it as well. And Look, they're just following the the. Uh-oh. Who's ever accumulating these stats? Who, who are we
1: going to throw under the bus here? No, no,
0: it's the danger, high danger chances, yes. chances. All right, they didn't have a lot, but I think through two periods, they gave the ducks one high danger chance. And it's based on where the shot is being taken, probably. But I don't know. I mean, Vitrano's chance was a pretty you, dangerous chance. You disagree. And is with the it. is the Terry goal not a high danger chance? Like it's he's a, shooting it's it right subjective. in the slot. It's yeah, subjective. so I mean, you look at that yeah, and you're like, subjective. well, they didn't have anything going. Like they didn't they didn't have much going, the Ducks, but they had enough going. Like Brian Elliott needed to come up with the goods in between long stretches of doing nothing, basically. That made it very tough. Then in the third period, and here I am at a, to throw the off-ice officials a little bit under the bus for Anaheim. I'm like, the Ducks only had seven third period shots. That didn't seem right to me. I felt like right. they had more. And I went and looked at the play by play. They did not credit Frank Vetrano with a shot that wasn't as dangerous as the Zegras shot. That was the one that we heard from from Coop. And I think Hegel was the first soundbite. He referenced it too. When the Ducks had a third period power play, Elliot did like a two pad stack save on Zegras When the game was two two. That was his biggest save of the night. But just after that, you might remember, Greg, Derek Grant brings the puck into the lightning end. Two lightning players go to him, and Vitrano is wide open in front. There's a lightning player behind him, but he's in the clear. And Grant gets him the puck. Vitrano takes a shot, and Elliot makes the save. That never appeared on the play-by-play. That shot like didn't exist in the official stat line, so actually the Ducks had at least eight shots in the third period and 22 for the game, but that vitrano shot and Elliott save from from a statistical standpoint never happened. I can guarantee you it happened. I was rewatching the highlights this morning and it was on there. So that was the sort of night Elliott had, where it was like nothing, nothing, nothing shot nothing 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 chance and you better make the save because you're right it did have the feel of that la game at least at the beginning where the lightning were doing some good things to have possession generating shots out chancing the opposition but not finishing enough to give themselves breathing room and when terry scores it's 2-2 the ducks are probably like hey we're in this game we've been completely dominated but here we are 2-2 <laughs> Going into the third. And the Lightning really didn't let that affect them too badly. I don't think the third period they were quite as dominant in possession. As they were in the first and second. But they didn't like come apart at the seams either. And and start chasing that winning goal. So did they give up some chances in the third? They did. The Ducks power play which had struggled for much of the year. Looked pretty good. and, And Elliott had to come up with with some tough saves during, I mean, two officially, but the, the zealous one was definitely dangerous, and they had some other looks around the net. But I think, all in all, the Lightning should feel pretty good about their performance. Not just how they played, but but being in a game that was tighter than it probably should have been, they kind of stayed the course, you know, and and didn't really change too much of what they were doing, and they ended up getting rewarded when Hagel scores on the power play late in the third.
1: I think Chief might have said, I don't want to put words in his mouth, it was late last night, but I feel like in our conversation post-game, he felt like that might have been their best effort this year.
0: I thought the Columbus game, they pretty well dominated Columbus in that game. I know it was, what, the second game of the year, and they're at eight, so, I mean, it wasn't that long ago. But I think in both of these games, the Lightning have been able to dictate the terms of the action. And, and maybe that's that's more so than in some of the other games where maybe they've had yes. a, a strong surge or like a period where they've been able to dictate the terms. Pretty much throughout the game, in the Columbus game and in this game last night, the Lightning were kind of behind the wheel and 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 driving the car and dictating where this game was going. But I'm not going to disagree with Chief. Like, they played really well last night. They did,
1: and you know, they're always, whenever you win, there's a couple of interesting storylines that develop and players who performed well, they catch your attention. And I know you and I discussed it on the post-game show, and again, if people are out there and they want to listen or weigh in, hit us up on Twitter, at Bolts Radio, you certainly can do that. Brandon Hagel. Yeah. I mean, let's face it. What is it now, Dave? Three straight games, he has scored a goal, and... To me, I think this is the player the Lightning envisioned they were getting when they made the trade to get him. I You have to understand, when you do switch teams and you go from a, a team who's not winning to a team who has Stanley Cup aspirations, even though Hagel could have made the argument I played with some pretty elite players in Chicago, and in some ways you would be doing the same in Tampa Bay, I think there is a different pressure understanding that you're not expected to win in Chicago right now. You are expected to win in Tampa Bay. And I think how an athlete deals with that possibly day for the first time is a great unknown. And then you factor in the trade and then the move and getting settled in. We're all creatures of habit to some extent. And when change is thrown our way, some people adapt pretty quickly and some it takes a little longer. So understanding all of that I think a lot of people here in Tampa Bay were inclined to at least give Hagel more of a pass than maybe somebody else who was dealing with different circumstances. Although Nick Paul can come in and say, look, I was playing for a team that had low expectations and I came and I I ripped it up. And that's a fair point. But everybody's different. And I think the player that we're seeing perhaps maybe these last few games where he is filling the net is a little bit more of what I expected when the Lightning saw him, or acquired him last year. And quite frankly, whether he was hurt or for whatever reason, and I gave you them, I had not seen what maybe some people in Chicago had seen in terms of him scoring and his his finishing ability. Mm -hmm. I can just go off of what I see. And what I saw was a guy who got chances, who had really good speed, but wasn't finishing on a regular basis. And then it concerned me a little bit. When I saw that he was playing on a first line. You know look you're going to get opportunities. You got to finish. But maybe it's all just coming together a little bit for him. And confidence is always the great equalizer. In many things. And maybe he is confident. Right now at a point where. He's starting to. Do some things right now. That he didn't do last year. And it's really good to see. Because I I do think with all the changes that have. Have been thrust upon the lightning this year. If Hagel can get back to being a really good secondary scoring option, then I think that's going to alleviate a lot of burden this team may have when it comes to scoring, not only during the regular season, but also in the postseason eventually when things tighten up considerably.
0: We had this discussion at the start of the year about Hagel, and I think the question was his offensive production in Chicago prior to the trade, was that just a really good year, or was it something that he showed in scoring those 20-some-odd goals that is transferable to any team? In other words, if you can shoot the puck, you can shoot the puck anywhere, and that was the question that was still to be answered, and I think you and I... We differed a little bit, if, if I'm remembering correctly, in that you said, I want him to show me that he can do it. And I said, if a guy can shoot pucks in the net past NHL goalies with one team, he should be able to do that with another team. And he has three goals in the last three games. The first goal that he scored was the result of him going to the net but basically, he just had a tap in. That was the one where point hit the crossbar against the Islanders and the puck's laying behind Sorokin. So Hagel did a lot of good work there to get to the net. He got to the net first. But for an NHLer, most NHLers are going to be able to finish that, right? But think about the goals that he scored on this road trip. The goal he scored against Jonathan Quick, Quick poke checks the puck away. He didn't poke check it away. He tried to poke check it away, but Sergachev centers it for Hagel. Quick uses his goalie stick to deflect the puck. Hagel gets in the way, blocks it, gets it on his blade, and tucks in a backhander. I'm not sure that every NHLer could make a play like that. That was a really impressive finish, showing a hand eye coordination that not every NHLer can can show. The goal he scored last night was very different. I think I even made the point, like, I've seen this guy score goals from distance in Chicago. I'm not sure I'd, I'd seen him score from that far out. But he's on a strong side, so he has a less advantageous angle. But it opened up for him because the Lightning moved the puck around, so he was able to walk to basically the top of the circle, just inside the top of the circle. Folks, go back and watch the goal. Like, you can see on the highlight, and even in slow motion, the puck looks like it's moving fast. That's a goal scorer's goal. That's top shelf, over the goalie's glove, from his strong side, and this wasn't some, like, fluttering puck. Like the Velarde goal on the tip in L.A., that puck kind of had eyes. This puck went straight in on a hard wrist shot. It wasn't even a slap shot. He wristed that. I'll repeat myself. That's a goal scorer's goal. So he has to keep doing it. But I think that was what made me feel positive, not positive like I'm sure, but positive like optimistic that we would see that from him because he was able to score goals in a variety of ways with the Blackhawks. And we've seen this year that he scored goals, three of them, in three different ways with the Lightning. So I'll, I'll repeat what you said at the start of the year, like he has to show you and he has to keep showing us that he can do it. But you're right. If it's not Stamkos and Stamkos is still at seven goals, but he's gone, what now, three games without scoring. But the Lightning are getting enough offense, which is good. Like, it's good that they're getting some scoring depth from some other guys. Paul had a goal and an assist last night. I know one was an empty netter. Hagel has goals in three straight games. Kucherov has started scoring. He's He's got a couple of goals in the last two games. So all that is really positive to, as you said, take some of the pressure off one guy or, or two guys and not have all the goals come in the power play from the top unit. That was the second unit that scored the game-winning goal last night in the power play. It's
1: a beautiful thing to see. For sure, when things like that do materialize. And again, as we alluded to before, when you are struggling to figure out how to navigate your way through a certain game, you can have your goaltender keep you in the game. And I actually thought it was a pretty good goaltending duel partner. I yeah. thought Gibson was pretty good too. For sure. He gave his could have scored to win.
0: in the second period too. That was one of yeah. Gibson's better saves.
1: Yeah. I mean, Gibson, let's face it, quick and Gibson back to back. If you would have said maybe five, six years ago, facing Quick and Gibson back-to-back, that's a tough task. I'm not sure they are uh, right now where they used to be, but I I think they showed flashes the last two games that those are goaltenders. When they are on, they can give you you a run for your money. And uh, Brian Elliott was up to the task. So as far as I'm concerned, and I want to get our audience and their reaction to this at Bolts Radio, what I took from that game was the ability to kind of stay with it and figure out a goaltender eventually who was doing a pretty good job of keeping them at bay. You had a guy who needed to break through a little bit and has, over the last couple of games, get your team going in Hagel. And I also thought the Lightning's goaltending allowed them to chip away at Anaheim, so to speak, and pick up two points. Where this ends up ranking... Down the road, when you start talking about wins, we're probably going to forget about this down the road for sure. But I think in the in the short run, this was an important win, especially coming off the Kings loss and what you potentially were facing on this trip had you la- lost two games in a row. Mm-hmm. I, just, I don't think you, you wanted to... You didn't want to have that feeling. And, they know, would have John- been
0: right back where they were before they headed to Sunrise, two Yeah, below five hundred, And
1: they did a lot of good stuff when they beat the Panthers and the Islanders. So I don't think you wanted to see that be wasted, losing to a couple of teams in the Western Conference. Let's face it, who may or may not make the playoffs. I think that's a fair statement to make. Mm-hmm. It's not being too critical. It's two teams who, are, who have some ability, who are young, and maybe have some question marks at some key positions. But I, I think it's important... For the Lightning, especially in the short run now, Dave, they can make this West Coast trip an above-average one if they take care of business
0: on Saturday. Before the Lightning went to New York for the first game of the year, we knew that they were playing seven of the first nine on the road in October. And if I were to say to you, before they play that first game, Greg, they're going to come out of this month five and four. I mean, that's not as as great as the lightning have have done in other octobers but i think given the schedule given the circumstances given some of the new players they're trying to integrate in and knowing they have a lot of home games in november and the first half of december i don't know about you i would take that i would take five and four through the first nine games i wouldn't be like doing a happy dance about it but i say that's at least that's keeping them in the mix, right? And I want to see maybe you do a go happy on dance. a run. I need to see you do a happy. dance. Hard to do a I... happy dance and convey it on radio, but maybe. Mish, I'll do one you can, for you, in you the can you can record spots. yourself. You can yeah, record I yourself that's and true. and
1: you know how viral that would go.
0: <laughs> that would probably go very viral.
1: Uh, but I understand where you're coming from. Yeah, that like how lot would of you sense. feel about
0: that. If they won five and four, like if I told you before game one, they're going to come out of this seven out of nine on the road with three sets of back to backs, five and four. You
1: know what I would say, and I I probably answered this question a couple of shows ago. I I just I'd be like, okay, well, I I don't know if I would lose sleep over it. Not that you are, I I I wouldn't
0: I wouldn't be worried about it.
1: I'd say, okay, well, look, that's a pretty tough better five and four
0: than two six and one. Oh, for sure. That's what I'm I'm saying. Yeah, yeah.
1: If they started two six and one, I'd say, well, that's that's pretty interesting. I'm not panicking, but that, that that's interesting. You go look, they're five and four. I'd say, okay, well. That's interesting too.
0: <laughs> they got to beat the sharks to get to five <laughs> right. and four.
1: They do, and that's not a gimme, no. as we know. That's not a gimme. Nothing is a gimme, by the way, in the National Hockey League. When you have this much parity, I think this is where I differ. We we're going to get to some questions here, and I think this is the the conversation we had with Dave Randorf. I think it's okay to have a few gimmies in sports. Mm-hmm. I think the salary cap forces you not to have those. <laughs> And so I do think there's something of just being mentally exhausted in a parity-driven league where if you aren't your sharpest, the talent level is not as great as what we've seen before the cap. And I think that puts a lot of stress on teams. And that's why, again, it's more impressive, I think, what the Lightning have done, what the Blackhawks did, what the Penguins did in an era where there's a lot of parity compared to what we saw maybe mish in the 90s and early 2000s maybe when you didn't see the cap being implemented and you just had some teams that were just powerhouses
0: i think that first of all you're right there is more parity in the league but there is a difference i think between the top teams and the bottom teams like you can lose any night any team can beat any other team All that we understand, but especially at the start of the year, I think the teams that are top end teams that kind of, we said this about the Penguins, like they brought back much of the same group from last year. At the start of the year, sometimes you have teams that are integrating newer players and it can be a little bit of a bumpy road. And if you're a team that has struggled and you're trying to integrate either new players or give younger players an expanded role it can be bumpier. Yes, and I think the Ducks are going through that right now. I'm curious to see how this team looks in February or March and if and if they fall out of it. And what are they right now? 1-5 and 1. Like if that trend continues, they're going to be out of it and and they're going to have a hard time really contending for a playoff spot. And then sometimes your hope can can go away and yeah, and right. you continue not to play well. But let's say they they recover enough that they're, they're at least competitive and they're in the mix. I wonder how much more impressive they will be as a team two, three months into the season. I mean, they've been outshot in every single game this year. Last night, 30 to 21 were the final shots. That was about as close a disparity as we've seen from Anaheim yeah. in any of its games this year. And you think about... Like they have Troy Terry and they have Zegris and this Mason McTavish who didn't play a lot in the third period, so I'm not sure if he got banged up, but they're excited about him. They have Drysdale on defense. Like they have some young players they are excited about. There's no question. And then they brought in some new guys with NHL experience like Vetrano and Strom and Klingberg. Yep. But think about the team that last year was, was hanging in there until maybe the halfway point, just past the halfway point, then they dropped off. Getzlaff is gone, Ricard Raquel is gone, they traded Hampus Lindholm. And these are three really important players on their team. Sure, three good players. And I, I think early in the year, they are trying to figure things out, but they don't have the same level of talent slash experience, maybe, that some other teams have, including the Lightning. So I think the Ducks have kind of seen the same sort of game for much of their games. This well, year. and I think the I'll Boston so game, which they got to a shootout. Yeah. John Ollers was saying to me that was their best game of the year. And they, they right. held it one one. They lost in a shootout in Boston. That's an impressive performance, given how the Bruins have started this year. But look at their box scores and some of the other games like they're getting outshot. 48, 22. You know, they're getting their doors blown off in a lot of these games. So I think the Lightning don't have to apologize for getting Anaheim in the schedule. When they got them, they still had to travel west. It was still the second half of a back-to-back against a team that was rested. They still have guys that can shoot and score, like Terry and Zegers, who did just that last night. So it's not like they could just roll out their, their, their sticks or throw their sticks on the ice and expect two points. They had to earn it. But I think there is a difference between, like, seeing the anaheim ducks and seeing pick a team you know at this point the bruins or the rangers or colorado i mean that would just be a different sort of game and i think the lightning would probably have a harder time dictating the terms as decisively as they did last night you know
1: you you may be right i i don't know we'd have to it's a little bit more of a guessing game there, but based off of what we saw with the Panthers and Islanders, and again, it wasn't perfect. They won, which made it sweet. Yeah, and those are more competitive teams. I, but I think Anaheim. the Lightning. I think the Lightning raised their competitiveness. Yeah, I think that's fair to point out. You know, because you're right. They could play Colorado, Dave, and if they played the way they did against the Kings or in this instance Anaheim, you pick the result, and and that may end up happening. I'm gonna bet that the Lightning should have an intensity that is such that is able to respect the level of opponent. And I do think there is something to that. And that is one of the great human elements of sports, is that who you play, where they are in the standings, does have an effect. Mm-hmm. That's why that's why you see upsets.
0: It just happens. There is a but letdown. They, they, didn't, they didn't sag last night against no, they didn't. that you might say, well, this team has only won once all to year. To their credit,
1: they did not. To yeah. their credit, they do not. And I, I think that that's another positive sign. And I think once they start facing, quote unquote, stiffer competition, I want to see the Lightnings play elevate a little bit more because we've seen it over the years. And you mentioned before we get some tweets, some of the changes that Anaheim has made, some mm-hmm. really good players that have left. And Getzlaff retired. Yes. And, yeah. you know, maybe they, they had to make a, a little bit of a switch to a different direction without those veteran players who were really good. Not that they got rid of every single one of them. They have a a couple of guys sprinkled up and down that lineup. You can't go young the whole way through. What I'm saying is, I also think, and this is more of a compliment to the Lightning than it is a knock on Anaheim or maybe even the Kings to a lesser extent, although the Kings did get their cups, is that when you have a core group of guys, some veteran players who are still pretty productive in the league, Dave, but you don't win, or you don't even get into the playoffs, I think it's a little easier for management to start saying, all right, we got to change direction here. Mm -hmm. With the Lightning, that hasn't been the case. I mean, could you imagine if the Lightning were missing the playoffs or were bottom dwellers with guys like Kucherov and Hedman and, you know, some of the older guys, Kulorn and Stamkos? They may have to trade some of those veteran guys anyways, not not naming the the big guys, but the the role players who are a little older because of the, the way the cap is. But if the Lightning, over the last five or six years, really went through some struggles making the playoffs, who knows what the plan would look like? Yeah. It may look like Anaheim's. Yeah. Cuz I think I think while they're really good players, those veteran players you mentioned, they didn't they weren't winning with them. And I think it's easier to to just say, "Look, we're going to go younger. We're going to have some growing pains with it." But what was the other option?
0: Yeah, and I'm not suggesting that the moves they made were the wrong moves. I'm just saying that at the start of the year, they've taken some important pieces out of their lineup and they're sure. trying to integrate new pieces. And have their younger players continue to take a step forward, and that is a process. And while you're undergoing that process, you may have some bumps in the road. Yeah, this is this is what you need to know about how Dallas Akins ran his lines last night. So they are the fourth line on Anaheim, based on how they ran the the line rushes, based on how I was given the lines, based on how they're 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 listed like on social media. Their fourth line, left to right, Adam Henrique, Derek Grant, Jacob Silverberg. Three veteran guys, okay? Dallas Aikens decided that he wanted them out against points line, but they didn't only play against points line. Grant took a lot of faceoffs. He went 11-8 and eight in the circle, so he had a pretty hot hand, so he took a lot of face-offs. But here is the ice time for these three guys, and I'm going to call them fourth liners. Do it. Because that, that's where they are on this team. Vitrano, sorry, not Vitrano. Grant, 1701. Silverberg, 1548. Henrique, sixteen thirty-four. I think if you look at those teams, the three guys on the fourth line are bumping double digit minutes. Like they're at ten eleven. Sometimes they're at eight nine.
1: By the way, that's a pretty I mean, good fourth line. That's a pretty good it's fourth a good line. Four, you know, what but I mean? that's what I'm saying. Yeah, like, yeah, it's a good yeah. fourth
0: line. But, but Dallas hakins is like, who else am I going to put out there? Yeah, that's kind of where I'm going. Like, he's saying, all right, I need this line to to defend against Point Kucherov and Hagel. But he didn't only match that line against them. He put them out there. They were like his security blanket, right? Old and reliable. I think, I think that tells you where Anaheim is right now. He's going with the reliable guys, <laughs> whereas Zegris... Well, Zegris played a lot, 1852, and Terry played 1856. But like Isaac Lundestrom, a 4 first-round pick, 1001. Well, my question would be, why aren't you playing the younger guys more? Well, like, what's trying the to excuse? coach to win the game. Well, I understand He's that. trying to see, coach this is, to win the game.
1: This is where you have disconnects. We just talked about the Anaheim Ducks getting rid of some of their veteran players because they're not winning. You do that... And get rid of them because you go younger. You're going younger because you need those players who are young to get experience. And so maybe they don't want to call it a rebuild year. But that's what it is. Yeah. So there's no reason why you shouldn't be playing the younger players.
0: But maybe in February, we're not seeing that from Grant, Henrik, and Silverberg. Maybe they're still the quote-unquote fourth line. But their minutes are down at 10 and 11. And other guys are playing more. But at this point, where they are, you know, one month into the season, not even... A month into the season, the coach is trying to coach to win, (laughs) and he's like, "Grant, you're out there. Take the face off. That's where they are as a team right now." And
1: I think there's value in that. And I think, and we're gonna get to some questions. I just, I think you have to have to have a big picture as an organization. I'm not saying they don't. I'm I'm just giving you my opinion on that. Is Mm -hmm. that you're gonna do a rebuild year? You got to do it right. And I understand you want to coach to win every game, but realistically. That ship sailed when you started trading away some of the really good veteran players. You made the commitment to go young. So go young and take your bumps, like some of these other teams have done over the last couple of years, Ottawa, Buffalo, name another team, maybe the Devils, who have gotten high picks, let those players develop, sprinkle in some veterans here and there, but give the younger players a bigger role so that in two or three years, Dave, they're feeling pretty good. That's just how it is. You can't really speed up too much a rebuilding process. You've got to let players develop. Some will develop quicker than others, but it takes time. And if your sole focus is we got to win this game, we got to win this game, at the expense of potentially developing younger players and putting them in positions where they're going to be successful, especially the more experience that they do get, I think you're doing a disservice to what the organization was planning to do when they decided to move on from some of those really good veteran players. It's a contradiction, in, in many ways, how I look at it. And we'll, we'll see how Anaheim plays out, but I, I think you bring up some good points about trying to win every single game and who they are relying on, maybe, to do some of that. Lucas says, Bolt's gifting Greg Linnelli a nice team effort win for his birthday. Yes. What nice guys. They gave you two points. They did. For your birthday. Also, Perbix looks fantastic, but do you think... The right side could still use another upgrade later in the season. Gotta think guys like Dumba and is it Wah? Am I pronouncing that right with the Kings? Uh, Will be Roy. Will be yeah, he's, available. He's American. <laughs> Will be available. Well, I don't
0: know if Roy is going to be available. And why does he think Dumba is going to be available? Is he a pending UFA? The Lightning don't have any money to add salary. So this isn't like fantasy hockey with, with no salary cap where you can just. Yeah pick whoever you want I'm I'm not willing to look ahead that far what I can say about Perbix though is like he's looked steady in some other games but I thought last night might have been his best game not just because he had an assist yeah but I don't know I I just thought that he made all the right plays
1: and that's becoming in different a theme. situations. Yeah, that's becoming a little yeah. bit of a theme. And I, I mean, think... he hasn't,
0: but like Coop said, he hasn't been perfect. And it's not like he's playing twenty three, twenty four minutes a night. He played sixteen fifty nine. But again, he was extremely steady. He had twenty four shifts. I mean, for for what that's worth, that means like twenty four times the lightning sent him over the boards, which is more than a lot of the other defensemen. Dave, he's already shown more
1: in how many games? Than than Calfoot, I think
0: and i mm-hmm. think that's i think that's well, something that they're struggling didn't help with himself. Myers it, didn't help himself last night. With what that happened with that?
1: i asked Crenn, did he, did he, so miss he the puck? So he tried to
0: yeah, it, so what happened was he tried to wire the puck up the ice. It might have been like across the red line, he was looking to hit a guy and the puck he rolled looked, off his stick. looked like, like he, he stumbled He just missed too. on it. <laughs> well, once because you're expecting to hit the puck and he didn't. <laughs> right. He's probably like where's the puck? Like <laughs> And and then Terry got in on him and it made stole a great it play. from him. Yeah, made a great yeah. play. So, look. I yeah, think he did not look good whiffing, on that play. <laughs> whiffing on a puck can happen. It does. And he was off balance. But he's bigger and stronger than Terry. And probably what the coaches felt was, like, all right, you made, you made a mistake when you missed the puck. But don't let the guy take the puck away from you. Yeah, like, that was. Do what you need to do to win the puck back from him. And that did not happen. He had one shift in the third period. That was not his finest which moment, which may have factored into to Purbix playing more. But again, Perbix is being out there in a two-two game in the third period, right? Because they only played Myers one shift. It's the, in the it's third one period. of the more
1: in- it's maybe the biggest storyline for this Lightning team right now, and and maybe that speaks to how good the Lightning are. I mean. We've talked about depth and and who's going to replace certain players. Who's going to replace Ryan McDonough? That's one of the questions we always talked about. And Jan Ruta, throw him in there as well. And mm-hmm. we always, you know, we, we go back to, well, you know, guys who internally are going to have to pick it up. Sergachev and, you know, Ian Cole bring stability. And you'll get Bogosian back. I don't know if anybody ever said Perbix was going to be a guy who came up and brought a little stability to the back end. I mean, we, we said Cal Foot would yeah. be great for him to take that next step. But, I mean, look, actions speak louder than words. And all well, you we need were to do...
0: looking. We were looking at the start of the year on the right side. You had yeah. Chernak, you had Myers, you had Foot, and then you had Bogosian recovering from injury. Perbic's coming in. I think that he has, based on who has been in and who has been out, he is now second behind Chernak on the right side. Yeah, because we can see from who has been in and who has been out, Myers and Foot have alternated basically as that third right defenseman.
1: It's incredible. It's fun to watch. And, Don't and, know if it's gonna last. And both played but.
0: when when Chernak was out. Chernak missed a game, so yes. I mean they all played then. But Pervix is not coming out of the lineup. I mean that much. Is no, clear. no, he's not, not at this point anyway. Matt says he had another it, chance. He had another chance last night too. Yeah, to score. What is Gibson made the save? It dropped down behind him, and I think Klingberg swept it. Swept it out of the blue paint. Sorry. Go ahead. No, it looks
1: looks good. I mean it's it's a it's a fun storyline to watch. I can't tell you how much that does for an organization who is constantly not picking really high with their draft picks and are winning, so you're having late draft picks in general to have guys like this come in and play well. And the Lightning have guys littered up and down that lineup. Like they're they're elite players, the ones that were first and second round picks, Dave. They have performed as well as you could have hoped. But in order to keep this winning sustainable the, the downside of winning is that you have late draft picks. Or sometimes yeah. you don't have any draft picks in many occasions with you know a mm-hmm. few rounds being traded away. But the fact that the Lightning can sit and say well we have Colton Perbix can come in and do what he's doing and you can cite some other examples of players who have come in who aren't necessarily first round picks. That's huge. It allows that window to stay open. Which is nice to see. Matt says, "Only issue I had with Hegel was he wasn't finishing. He was playing great last year, just couldn't seem to get those breakaways in the net." No, that well, was last something. year
0: I think he was still acclimating to the system, and he had hesitancy in his game. He has no hesitancy in his game anymore.
1: Looks good, doesn't it?
0: Yeah. Uh, Matt also says, "Happy 40th birthday,
1: Greg." Oh, Matt, you are incorrect. He's close, right? You are incorrect, yeah. but I love that round number. Also wanted yeah. to say Elliott has been playing so good this year. I think it's been a theme since he's been a member of the Lightning organization. Mm-hmm. So no argument For me, that's there. what for me that's what I love. Yep.
0: Lightning what went 10 0 two in the second half of back to backs last year. Now they're not going to equal that mark because that's they a lost. tremendous record. They lost in Pittsburgh in their first back to back in the second half. But Elliott, he didn't get every one of those starts. He got a lot of them though. He got a lot of those starts. He did.
1: Bezos and he's says won his birthday. last
0: two. Like, the three back-to-backs, Elliott has gotten the second game in all three. Yes. And he's 2-1 and one in those three games. He is. And he's played well in all three. I mean, the Pittsburgh game, we were talking about, he was single-handedly holding the lightning in that game for much of it. Yeah, there's not, not much he could numbers. Yeah, his final numbers didn't look impressive in that game, but... He knows look really a strong good performance.
1: He knows look really good this year,
0: Jan Ruta. But he he's on their third pair, isn't he? Yeah. At least he was when the Lightning saw Pittsburgh. He's, you know he's been playing with a couple of younger defense, but he's he's been good. Mm-hmm. Uh, that
1: that's a guy. I tell you what, that really you want to talk about taking advantage of the opportunity. As I lose my voice, that was given to you. I don't know what the expectations were for Jan Ruta as an NHL player, Dave. But he was put in a pretty nice situation. But to his credit, yeah. he, ex- he excelled in it. He excelled well, he in it.
0: For- he was one of these guys Chicago plucked from Europe. And I should know this by heart. I don't believe he was drafted. I think that he, he was, was one of these free agent signees. Like David Kampf, who's now in Toronto. He was another one. Yeah, Panarin is the, probably the most notable. Right. Chicago got him as a free agent. Like they're, they're, they're past their draft eligibility. But they've played a little pro hockey over in Europe and the Hawks got those guys in part because they didn't have draft picks. No, they, they needed to play the... all their draft picks. Yeah. So they needed to find guys that, you know, maybe the guys they took in the fifth and sixth rounds weren't panning out for them. So they found some of these guys. But again, I'm gonna ask you this hypothetical like I did about the five and four at the start of the year. I love it. Tell me. But go back to the trade between the Lightning and Blackhawks. And when that trade was made, Slater Cuckoo for Jan Ruta. Yes. And I said, okay, one of these guys is gonna be in the NHL in four years and one is gonna be in the minors. I believe Cuckoo's in the minors, like would you have said that Jan Ruta was the guy in the NHL <laughs> and yes, Cuckoo I mean, would not be?
1: It's a good hypothetical. I the thing is I knew nothing about Ruta and the only time really that I saw Slater Cuckoo perform at a level even close to what his draft status was a few years back. I want to say it might have been in the series against Pittsburgh. Yeah, the 2016 playoffs. Yeah, I thought he was mm-hmm. actually pretty good there, but I, I didn't see that consistently. So I Neither to honest, did Chicago yeah, or Edmonton. I, I think you could have made a case I couldn't have seen either one of them in the NHL.
0: Right, but if I were to <laughs> yeah, say to you one of yeah. them will be in the NHL. You,
1: you may go with the younger player. Yeah who had the pedigree that said, okay, maybe he's just going to take off and he goes to Chicago. I mean, that was one, of honestly, one of the best trades Julian Breezois has ever made. It's one of them. Because look what you got, and Mm -hmm. look what you got from from Ruta for a few years. Uh, Jim, how about this? Jim says 42 years old. He doesn't even, like, make a little
0: chit-chat. He He just says, he goes 42
1: years old, and then he goes right to his question. He goes. Our next because I think you said
0: yesterday I'm going to be 42 tomorrow. <laughs> You're probably right, and yeah, he was I think listening. You said that,
1: and we appreciate Jim for doing that. He says our next back to back is after Thanksgiving. Do you expect Brian Elliott to play at least once per week?
0: I wouldn't mind giving Vassy six to eight less games this year versus last year. Well, the Lightning have more back to backs this year than they had last year. 14 this year, 12 last year. But the short answer to the question is yes. I would expect Elliott to get some starts between now and the back-to-back, I think it's Buffalo-Boston, after Thanksgiving. And we saw that last year. I mean, it's not like Elliott only played 12 games. The 12 back-to-back sets, basically, one out of those those two games 12 times. So they probably have it mapped out schedule-wise. But Vasi likes to play. And, Who, doesn't? Who doesn't? Right, and they're going to let, I think they're going to give Vasilevsky, the rope to decide how much he wants to play but the schedule you know after the san jose game i mean i've been saying 15 to the next 20 at home what and, is it what is it and, big so picture, it is 15, it? To 15 to the next 20 at home yeah, right but the the fan jim wrote in about that trip after thanksgiving which is right so three of those five road games are in one trip after thanksgiving so between Let's say after Saturday and Thanksgiving, the Lightning have a total of two road games. They go up to Washington and then they go to Nashville, and that's it, not on the same trip. So that is a very home heavy schedule coming up for the Lightning.
1: Have you, have you, do you remember a schedule like this that is so home heavy that the Lightning have had?
0: Well, they've had some recently. long homestands before. But like 15 out was, of
1: 20 is pretty extensive. Yeah,
0: I remember one year, didn't they have like a 10 or 11-game homestand? It was so it weird. Like there was an all-star break in there or the bye or something like you that. You right. So it was split up. Anaheim, by the way, Anaheim has two separate homestands. One is a 10-game homestand <laughs> starting just before Christmas and basically taking them through much of January. And then later in the year, they have an 8-game homestand. 18 of their 41 home games are going to be in two separate segments wow i'm not sure that that's particularly great if you're gonna have a lot of home games i like to see the the occasional road game sprinkled in there just to mix things up well and here's that's the other my thing. own personal here's about.
1: the other thing you just mentioned that first big one is around the holidays those are always tricky you know just because you're there's a lot of things going on outside of hockey <laughs> Right. You know, and you're dealing with with presents, you're dealing with family. That can be a really crazy time. And I'll be interested to see what their what their record is during that time because I think that can be a little difficult, particularly for you know, a younger team. We'll see how that plays out. Uh, Anthony says Moose is the man. Schedule after the Sharks game looks really interesting. Pretty good teams ahead. Have you guys listened to Derek Lalonde interview
0: on spit and chiclets? No, but spit and chiclets usually gets people to, to speak talk a little bit more than maybe they would a little otherwise. Talking, right? a little talking, right? I didn't hear the interview. I did not. Uzi is a pretty upfront guy though. Like when we had him on our show, we would get we breaking got some nuggets from him. <laughs> like, what? What did he just say? Does John Cooper know you're saying this to us? What do you make of uh
1: Lalonde? I mean, we're going to see Detroit yeah, this year, good, but he's, he's a good he, I always he, found he him. He knows the nice. game
0: really, really well. He's got a very even keeled personality. He I don't does. think I've ever seen him upset. Now, maybe as an assistant, it's easier not to get upset. He may get upset as a head coach, but I'm glad for him and 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 glad for him that that he's getting an opportunity. And well, I don't want the Red Wings to beat the Lightning four times. I mean, I'm sure. glad to see that they're doing well. For you know, Iserman too, you know, Iserman yeah. well, had is, a huge impact on the lightning, and it's good to see him kind of turning things around into Detroit. Well, this as is well. part of
1: the process, right? When they brought in Steve Eisman. I mean mm-hmm. the rebuild. Bring people in. Get some guys in here. Get the right coach. Yep. And I think they might have done that. What's interesting about Lalonde, more of just the human element, it, it just it felt like he was very nice to everybody. Yeah. I'm sure he had his bad days, everybody does. But I don't know. It, it, it speaks to the the bigger example there. It's It, it doesn't pay that much to be nice. And I, I just felt like every time he had an encounter where he needed to come on the show, I mean, he was willing to give
0: give you 25 minutes. If yeah. we would have
1: said, Derek, we need you for an hour, he might have done it.
0: You know what's interesting? So much of this game is mental. Detroit got off to that great start, or were they 4-0-1, I mm-hmm. think they were, after five games? Again, I'm not paying that close of attention to the standings at this early point, but I know they hadn't lost in regulation. They might have been 4-0-2, and they had that game where they lost. They lost in overtime to the Kings, but they would have lost in regulation. Larkin made that play on, on Arvidsson, denying yeah. an empty netter. Like, they're scrappy, and they're they're jumping out of the gates quickly. They got off to a good start. They have a home game against the Devils. This is not a home game against the Lightning. This is not a home game against the Bruins. This is not a home game against Toronto, you know, a perennial playoff team. This is a team kind of in their boat, right? And this was the the night that the Lightning played the Kings, so two nights ago. They got hammered. Hammered at home. Not only did New Jersey win by a blowout, they dominated shots. And... I think Andrew Kopp, who's now in Detroit, said something to the effect of, you know, we go out there and we thought we were the the 1980 Russian Olympic team. I'm not sure, speaking of birth years, I'm not sure that if he meant the 1980 <laughs> Russian right. Olympic team because that team lost to the U.S. Dave, in a big Dave, that was forty.
1: Dave, that was 42 years ago.
0: Yeah, maybe he was talking <laughs> about that. But in that game, like, the Russians yeah. actually outplayed the U.S. <laughs> they just lost 4-3. to three. Like, if you look at that, the... The, if you ever watch that game, like Jim Craig was Fantastic. incredible. Like he right. channeled something that day, which is kicking out save after save after save. But my point is that like a young or not young, but a scrappy team that is coming out of the gates quickly and they're playing on their toes. The minute they exhale and according to Andrew Cop, I think what he's trying to say was they exhaled. They got their right. hats handed to them. That's the NHL. And if you're the Lightning, you know, game six of the regular season, it's kind of hard to be playing on your toes, right? <laughs> when you've been to three straight cup finals. That's kind of that's kind of the point I'm trying to make. That for these teams that are hungry and looking to get into the playoffs and like they're eager for the season to start, and they're like, we're gonna show the league that that we belong. Like you can understand they have they have some jump to their step. But then you go 6 games without a regulation loss and you're at home and you're like, "Okay, we're good. Look what happened." Right? Sure. That's the NHL. It's a good point. And the Devils are improved this year too. I mean, I'm not taking anything away from them, but I don't think the Red Wings, according to what I read post-game, were ready to play. And yeah. they got hammered. You know, what's
1: interesting is is that I think the consistency is what separates a lot of really good teams from a team like Detroit, who is still trying mm-hmm. to find themselves, is
0: that, and they'll learn from. They that. will. Like, they will they'll learn. Okay, well, we can't. We can't come out and play like this. <laughs> they should learn. Let's put it that way. If you want to be a good team,
1: you've got to learn from those mistakes. And hopefully, for their sake, the next time they're in that position, they're able to weather the storm a little bit and start pushing back. And I think the Lightning are a, a team that a lot of people emulate. If they can, that that's a team that doesn't allow a lot of bad losses to seep into their season. And if they do they typically rectify it pretty quickly Mm -hmm. and i think detroit is in that position like you mentioned new jersey and there's buffalo and there's ottawa those are teams that everybody keeps talking about as the next wave possibly of getting into the playoffs and and doing something but they need to learn how to consistently play well you're going to have dips consistently play well particularly in the regular season when it's such a grind and That'll be the test for Detroit, and that'll be a test for those other teams that I just mentioned. Uh, this question comes from Nick. He goes, guys, what do you know about the
0: Sharks? Does Patrick Marlowe still play for them? <laughs> no, he does not. So they have had some turnover the last couple of years, although Eric Carlson is still there. And Vlasic is still there. And Logan Brent Burns is, is not. still there. Brent Burns is not. It is not easy starting the year, I think, in Europe. Now, we'd have to go back and look at all the teams that have started the year in Europe and see how they've done. The Lightning went to Europe a month into the season. But I think if you look at San Jose and Nashville, Nashville won both those games from San Jose. And Nashville hasn't exactly been lighting the league on fire since then. So, And San Jose had to go even farther. So not only are you going to Europe, you're coming back to the West Coast. Let's not forget that, right? You're, you're not only flying across the Atlantic, you're flying across the United States to get home. Yeah. So they have not gotten off to a good start. I'm curious, when we get there to, to talk to some of their people, we're not gonna have much time there because we're getting in there Friday afternoon and then the game is, is Saturday afternoon. So there won't be a morning skate, but I'm curious if there is any sort of residual effect going on from where the Sharks had to start the season understanding that you know they are a non-playoff team looking to elevate this year. So at this point, sorry, was it Anthony who asked the question? I forget.
1: Nick, I think it was Nick. Nick, I'm sorry. Yeah.
0: Nick, at this point, I'm a couple of days away from, from the game, so all I know is that they've not gotten off to a good start, and they opened the season with two losses in Prague. But they did have a win in Madison Square Garden against the Rangers. That is one of their victories this year. So that's not nothing. And again, it just goes to show on any given night, one team can beat another, no matter where they are in the standings.
1: We'll find out on Saturday, but until then, we've got one more show this week, and we'll be there tomorrow noon to one. Get those questions in at Bolts Radio. Partner, great job as always. I will talk to you tomorrow. Talk to you tomorrow. You got it. Thanks to Steve Ersnick as well. Thanks to all of you. For listening, we appreciate it. I am Greg Linnell. You've been listening to Power Lunch on Lending Radio.